I invite you to, um, to turn in the Bibles. I brought um, one of the black uh, Bibles that we're now giving away, um, the Common English Holy Bible. There's a lot of great translations out there. This is, uh, this is one of them. Uh, but, if, but if you need a Bible, we, we give the Bibles away. Jesus, uh, Jesus in Mark uh, is now out of the synagogue, which is noteworthy. He's out of the synagogue, and it says, He went out beside the lake again. The whole crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. So, so Jesus, uh, it's one real quick note, uh, Jesus is apparently bad for um, the workforce in the northern section of the Sea of Galilee because in the previous chapter, he comes along some fishermen and says, hey, cast your nets aside and like, like literally leave your father you know, to do the rest of the fishing work and follow me. And here he is with a tax collector and he's like, hey, I know you're on the job right now, but follow me, and, 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 and they do. Now, now what's interesting is that was, um, that was a limited approach of Jesus back then. I think Jesus back then telling people to leave your work and follow me is not the way Jesus wants us to, uh, to deal with him at work anymore. I think, I think the, modern, the, the better modern understanding of the way Jesus deals with work is he's like, hey, don't quit your work. Go to work and carry me, right? Go to work and allow me to follow you to work. You know, go to work and let me be at work with you, I think is a better understanding of it. And, and it says here that, Le, that, that Levi is this tax collector. He would, have been, he would have been a tax collector not working for Rome. He would have been a t- tax collector working for Herod Antipas. And, uh, and we know from, let's see, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, that this Levi in Mark is the same guy who in Matthew's gospel is actually Matthew himself. So, so they're using different names. It, 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 it's, it's probably one of them is a Greek name and one's an Aramaic name or something to that effect. But, but, uh, but this is the same person that the church later associates with the writing of the preeminent gospel that starts the New Testament. That's this guy. And this is how he meets Jesus. It says in the very next verse, Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. When some of the legal experts from among the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? It's, it's, it's worth noting that uh, the, the Pharisees wouldn't ask Jesus a question directly. I learned years ago, this is called triangulation. When A wants to talk to B, but instead goes through who? C to do it, Right? It's also how gossip usually looks, um, but in this way, it's, more, it's, it's less gossip, it's more passive-aggressive. Like, we want to go after that guy, but we're not going to go after that guy, we're going to go after that guy's people, right? You know? I mean, uh, fortunately, the world doesn't operate that way anymore, does it? Hold on, maybe it does, yeah. But Jesus hears this, this passive-aggressive whispering behind his back, or maybe even worse than whispering, and he said to them, healthy people don't need a doctor but sick people do. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. This is the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. That, that last 
verse had me thinking. Where is it in, in the list of sayings of Jesus that we now ignore? Because I, I actually think, I, well, you know, and you know this on the, in the world of clickbait on the internet, there's always a, see the top ten list, see this list. See this. If heaven is keeping a list like that, where is this fall on the list? And so I, I started playing around, and I, and, I, and I did a little reading, and I was doing a little thinking. I was like, I wonder how many, how many verses we would recognize that Jesus definitely said, but when it comes to how we live our lives, we by and large ignore them. So, so I, I worked on a little list. I, would, you, would you allow me? Um, so this is, this is what I got. Uh, the, the first is, um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This, this doesn't mean you can't have stuff, okay? Though we would all be better off if we had less stuff, and everyone in the room knows that I'm right. In fact, if you know that I'm right, just yell the word amen. Okay, yeah, we, we, we'd be better off if we had less stuff. But this is, this is more than just like stuff and possessions. This is how we think of our stuff, how we treasure our stuff. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Or what about this one? Jesus definitely said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. And yet the modern church says, no, we're to despise our enemies. And attack them and go after them. It's, it's true. It's true that we do that. But it's also true that he said that. Number three, if, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. Because we have believed the lie that we are to respond with violence when we've been encountered with violence. That violence begets violence. That's, that's what we say. The, 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 the fourth on the list, do not worry about tomorrow. This is a huge one. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. I think it's like a Matthew chapter 6. We were doing this the other day. Matthew chapter 6, maybe, um, maybe verse 33 and 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. He says the reason why we're not to worry about tomorrow is because tomorrow will have worries of its own. Don't waste your today Worrying about tomorrow when today has enough worries and tomorrow will have enough worries. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, I, in preachers, we're the worst about this. I, don't, I can't tell you the last time I heard a sermon by anyone that said, Hey, church, go be meek. And yet he did. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And then, and then the last two. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I think this makes, I think this makes my list because, because we, 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 we know we are Christian, but, but from a distance, could anybody recognize it from our behavior? And then finally, we're back to where, where our passage finished i didn't come to call righteous people but sinners 
and 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 maybe maybe this is just me working through my stuff but but being like in, in, in on a staff or, or an associate pastor or now a pastor for all these years it's over 20 years that I've been doing this on on sort of what we say like on this side of the altar rail I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who've said things like hey hey when it comes to when it comes to the preaching or or even Scott what you wear or or the music we sing or the way we design our building or way the, the kind of coffee we serve whatever right, right we're interested in all of that stuff being really cool for who us us like 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 we like 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 man, now that we're in let's make it about and, and, and nobody has ever said those words exactly and yet so many times it's felt like it and yet and and, and, and i'm not going to step on anybody's toes i'm going to step only on my own i mean yet if my preaching were only geared for the righteous then i would be working counter to Jesus' words here. I did not come for the righteous. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but I'm the great physician. What, is it, what, is this, what does this mean for the world? Now, 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 one of the ways that it's important to read the Bible, and it's, it's important not just reading the Bible, but also living out in the world, and, and that is we're to pay attention to our surroundings. And the way that applies here is that when you read five verses and, and it finishes with, with a statement like that, you need to keep reading. And if you do, if you keep reading in, in Mark chapter 2, the very next two things that happen, this is not a shock to anybody in here, are controversy stories. Sure enough, he says, I didn't come for this, I came for that. And the very next, the very next little uh, passage that Mark includes is the Pharisees going after Jesus on the topic of fasting. And the next story after that is the Pharisees going after Jesus on the topic of the Sabbath. It, it, it's, it's absolutely clear in Mark chapter 2 that the Pharisees are not okay with Jesus. And the thing is, we know how that turns out, doesn't it? I mean, from the beginning of the story through the end of the story, Jesus has created controversy. And, and, it, and it really comes around, this, this, the heart of this disagreement is that he understands his purpose and life mission as a Jewish rabbi who also happens to be the Son of Man, the Chosen One, the Appointed One, the Messiah, to be about calling not righteous people, but sinners. The poet, southern writer, Wendell Berry wrote, There are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. So there's, there's, there's no place that is without the sacredness of God. There's only places in which the sacredness of God has been changed, and it's been changed by sin. Jesus constantly shows us what it looks like when the Holy Spirit works through a human person to enter desecrated places and restore their sacred character. That's what he's doing in the life of Levi. That's what he's doing sitting around the table with the tax collectors and the sinners. See, Jesus consistently throughout the Gospels is drawn to desecrated people and places with like magnetic force. 
The Pharisees keep saying to him, why are you associating with them? You're Jewish, and, 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 and some of them are Jewish, and then some of them are Gentile, which just flips them out altogether. That'll be a different story for a different day. But, but, but these Jewish people are living unJewishly with the way that they, with they, where they work, with the way they eat, with what, who they hang out with, what they do with their lives. And you're to cast them aside, the Pharisees say. And Jesus instead responds, that's not my job. My job isn't for the already in. It's for those who have been in, but the world now says they're out. When sin touches the sacred, it becomes desecrated. But when the sacred one encounters desecrated ones, they become sacred again. And, and, I, and I can't help but, but think of our ministry at Elm Street every other Friday in this way. A couple weeks back, uh, uh, Connor and I got called because one of the doors was stuck over there, and, and they called in their crack A team. They were like, uh, hey, you guys go get the door unstuck. And um, I think Charles is actually still working on what we broke or, or messed up. <laughs> because we, we're not the crack A-team when it comes to unsticking doors. But, but we, we, we walked down the aisle. It was about five till one. We walked down the little outside sidewalk, and, um, and, and I've seen it before, and it was true that day that you know, folks were looking and speaking, and you know, they had smiles on their faces, and yet, and yet so very often, if you can see it with eyes that will allow you, people walk up to the building, and they're a little more stooped over. And they seem to be carrying a little more weight than they should. And they go and they sit down in the white chairs and then they get their names called in the order in which, in which they arrive. And something transformational happens when they go and sit down at the sign-in table. And, and someone like Robin or, or Linda or Cindy or, or one of the, all the other names that I, that I, that I, I couldn't remember now, but when, when, they, when, they take, when they take the number and they call them by name for the first time and they begin to treat them not as if they don't belong but as if they're in exactly the right place. See, they walk in with the mistaken identity Of being, of being something that the world has pushed aside or, or something that, that their own choices have, have moved into the wrong category. And yet, and yet the church on behalf of Jesus says, no, no, I see here on your driver's license, you're a child of God. Better the hymnal than me. <clears throat> I see here that you're not desecrated by sin. You are sacred. And Jesus desires that you would be restored. And then, and then in, my, um, in, in my role, when I get to volunteer over there, I've been given the, um, and, and a number of us can relate to this, we've been given the, um, the lowest level of volunteering over there, which is a buggy pusher, right? You know, like you need some experts, you need some people with a skill set, you need some people that are, that are good and charming and outgoing and can follow even the rules because there's USDA rules and all this, and then you've got the buggy, push, buggy pushers. And, and so they're like, hey, Scott, we need you over there to push a buggy. But as, I, but as I stand there with a buggy and they get up from the table, and I have watched this 
over and again. And they walk over with a folder in their hand. They are so often confused by what's just happened. Because again, they walk in thinking they're one thing. And the church, on behalf of Jesus, is telling them they are something else altogether. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've stood there and made conversation with them. And they're just looking around going, what is this place? And some have said as much. What is this place? Well, it's more than a food pantry. It's more than a clothing closet. It's, it's, more, it's more than books down the hall. It's, 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 it's more than a place where we're assembling backpacks for kids in the schools. It's, this is the place where Jesus is touching lives and turning the desecrated that sin has sought to turn the wrong way back to the sacred. And this is what got Jesus in so much trouble with the religious authorities. I mean, a Pharisee would literally wake up, turn off the alarm clock in the morning, and think, how can I like, make clear the boundaries between clean and unclean? How can I, how can I make clear the boundaries and attach the labels and, and sort the list and, and, and do everything to, to, to make the world know that there are righteous and there are sinners, there are clean and unclean, there is holy and there is not holy. And Jesus says that's not how any of this works. So he sits around a table with a crowd of notorious sinners. And the Pharisees see Jesus and they think he is somehow affirming sin. It makes no sense to them. But, but that's not it at all. You remember our list from a couple weeks ago? The list of... Um, the list of things that Jesus was against, and at the end of the list, the catch-all, Jesus is against sin. It's just that Jesus didn't see people as sin, or as secular, or as beyond redemption. He saw every person for who they are. And it goes back to the first page of the first story ever told. Let us make Humankind in our image, God said. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Jesus sees the people sitting around that table and around the next table and around the next table and every meal he has. He even sees the, the folks that are in the windows peering in, you know, jeering him and accusing him. He sees every person as a child of God made with the same substance of God. And, and then Jesus is willing to risk being misunderstood. And it'll eventually get him despised and killed. He's willing to risk being misunderstood if it means he can reach one more person that religion has left behind or cut out. Which, which brings the question... Who are you praying for? We, we started asking folks, 
a few weeks back, even before the start of the year, let, let us begin January by praying for our friends. And, and, I, and I tossed out the number four, you're allowed to pray for more people than four. I've been praying for four people, and my prayers have been, Lord, show me clearly how I can serve them that they might know you better. But, it, but it's not, maybe, maybe, maybe this scripture tells us, it's not just enough that we pray for four people. It's not just that we pray for 14 people. It's not just that we pray for the whole world. It's that we are conscious of the fact that Jesus calls us to pray for people that the world has said are outside. And we know to be just on the cusp of inside again. I mean, it's not enough to, to pray for and to reach out and invite the church the people who look like us, who talk like us, who think like us. Oh, I, I, I love them. They, they've got the, they, got, they got the same values that I do. I mean, that, that matters if they're watching your kid on a Friday night, that, that, that matters in so many ways. If, you, you know, if, you, if your daughter starts dating them, I want them to have the same values. If your son starts you know, talking about marriage, I want them to have the same values. But when it comes to being the church, Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. And if someone had not taken that serious in my life or in your life, would any of us be here? So who are we praying for? And, and how can the next time we gather around this table, we find that in the room there are more and more of the people that Jesus came specifically for? Let's pray. Gracious God, the world would divide us and categorize us and even rank us. Help us to know better Help us to believe Jesus who not just with words but with deeds is showing us a better way. Lead us back to the truth of who we are and how we've been made. That we might include your children in the same way that we've been included. Allow these moments gathering around a table to draw us back to the ways that Jesus first invited us. This is our prayer. We ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen and amen.